بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الله صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم ويوان سورة الذاريات سورة نمبر 51 and آية نمبر 38 أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وفي موسى إذ أرسلناه إلى فرعون بسلطان مبين فتولى بركنه وقال ساحر أو مجنون In the continuation of the <coughs> sequence of uh, stories that relate to human volition, where human volition impacts uh, the cosmological system and events, and that everything in the cosmos they run according to a divine system that is regulated, managed by the angels, as mentioned in the beginning of the surah. And then uh, human beings are obligated to manage their system in accordance with the system of the cosmos so that uh, there is a synchronization and there is a harmony between the two. But human beings, they don't use their volition in the correct way and they end up causing problems for themselves and disturbing the harmony in the cosmos, which leads to their own destruction. So we started with the story of Ibrahim and the angels coming to him, giving him and uh, his wife glad tidings of a child outside of the normal system, which was a result of their tremendous submission to Allah and their worship of Allah. At the same time, they gave warning to Ibrahim that the people of Lut were not following the system of the cosmos, which led to their destruction. And now we continue with uh, four more examples. The first is of Musa and Fir'aun. Ibrahim al-Islam represents the usul of fitra, the foundations of fitra, the foundations of uh, truly human instinctive uh, stimuli and behavior as is found in Adam and Hawa. Okay, so human beings are the offspring of Adam and Hawa. So whatever Adam and Hawa uh, felt, and however they behaved in Jannah is the true representation of the human nature. That came down into human beings and the prophets established that. 
especially Ibrahim Ibrahim is now a representation of um, uh, overpowering uh, world leaders without weapons, without jihad. He went to Namrud, overpowered him by debate. So there he represents the idea that uh, intellectual superiority is going to be with those who preserve their fitra. And he didn't have an army, he didn't have a weapon himself, but uh, Namrud was overpowered and he had no answer to Ibrahim al-Islam's now presentation, representation of who Allah is. This story in Ibrahim al-Islam obviously is the father of Ishaq, and Ishaq al-Islam gave birth to Yaqub and then Yusuf. Uh, Yusuf went into Egypt and stayed there with his brothers and their brothers and their offspring stayed there in Egypt until the Pharaoh came. So that's the connection between Ibrahim and Musa. So Musa salam represents the end of uh, the Banu Israel's life in Egypt, a life of luxury, a life of comfort, and so on. Firon represents the world tyrant, an international figure, for the lack of a better word, a superpower that uh, he and his people and his army were on top of the world. They had this great civilization, they were great builders, they had the pyramids, they knew how to irrigate the Nile, uh, they had so much knowledge and so much skill sets that they were basically on top of the world as the greatest power on the planet at that time. And they had a lot of economic power, a lot of wealth, and uh, a lot of knowledge also. So this is now this one that Allah is saying that one is Ibrahim al-Salam, who is able to defeat uh, the enemy of the cosmos through his fitra. And now this is Musa salam, who was actually raised by none other than Firaun himself. So there we see that we see Allah saying, this is the example of Musa, Wafi Musa. In the matter of Musa, Wafi Amri Musa, in the matter of Musa, there is an example for you. So that the sentence would read Musa Ayatul. There's a sign. What is it about Musa and his story? Now here the Quran is very succinct and the Quran is absolutely brief. You have to know the background and understand how to read the various ayat of the Quran. Now this ayah we're reading in the context of the surah. Okay. Anyway, so uh, we remember the time when we sent him, meaning Allah saying we, we delegated Musa to be our representative in front of Fir'aun. You know, Fir'aun. Fir'aun is a, is a huge power. So Allah says, Bi Sultanim Mubin with a manifest power. We sent Musa with an obvious, manifest, clear 
self-evident power, Sultan. Sultan is a huge word, as you know. Sultan is the leader of the Ummah, he is the ruler, you know, as the, how the Sultan of the Ottomans and the Sultan of, uh, you know, the Mughals, Sultan has immense strength and power and durability, authority, enforcement and all of that. So if, if you say Fir'aun had Sultan, that makes sense. If you say Musa has Sultan, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, Musa Salam, he was obviously driven away from uh, Egypt for whatever reason, and he came back. When he came back, he didn't have an army. He didn't have weapons. Allah says, we gave him Sultan, we gave him authority and power and the ability to dictate and control whatever it is that he wanted to dictate and control. Now, obviously, Musa was given nine signs, nine huge uh, miracles, mojizat, ayat, the Quran calls them signs. One was obviously the staff, the very, very you know, powerful staff that he leaned on, etc. And there were other signs that the Quran speaks of in other places. So this uh, evident signs of the divine authority. Again, it's about the taqween and the tashri. It's about that Musa had uh, ability to control certain elements of the cosmos. Uh, like the white shining hand. Uh, this is not found in the cosmos. The staff that if you throw it, it becomes a snake. And if you hold it again, it becomes a staff. And this is not the total, what you call it, inversion of the cosmos. So we gave him that authority. Hmm? Uh, so this is an authority much, much higher than a military authority. And this was the key to how to understand the story of Musa and Fir'aun. Musa's message to Fir'aun uh, was not that Musa wanted to take over the kingdom of Egypt. He wasn't there to become the king of Egypt. His message was simply worship Allah who is higher than you. That was his message. He wasn't there, get off your throne and let me rule. So that is the key to understanding how Muslims see power and authority in the world. That we don't rule for the sake of ruling. We don't seek power for the sake of power. We only seek change in the people who are in control. So then the process will be that you reform and then you move on. You don't take the place of the people that you reform. That is why Muslim theologians are very adamant that you do not depose a ruler simply because you want to be the next ruler. Because when you become the next ruler, you'll be doing exactly the same as the previous ruler. <laughs> you'll be just as ruthless and just and dictatorial and whatever. So that, that in, the, in the cosmos, that doesn't make any difference. Yeah, it's in you. It's in how you use your volition. Yeah, so people must see that uh, the the da'wah of the anbiya is ilallah, is towards Allah. We want you to worship Allah. We don't want your seat. We don't want your government. We don't want your kingship. 
We don't want your throne. We don't want your money. All we want you to do is make sure your volition is in sync with the cosmos so that other people can live in harmony and so on. So this is Sultan Mubin. So that was now, obviously, the, the overpowering the magicians was assigned to Firon, which he understood. Firon was, you know, for the lack of a better word, a very smart ruler. He was a very astute politician. He knew that if he answered Musa's, you know, the, the mojizat, the miracles, Musa would have come up with another miracle to overcome that argument of Firon. Yeah. After all, Firon was one that trained Musa uh, to be a military person, educated him. Yeah. Uh, he taught him debate. Mm. When you live in the palace, what do you think you're going to do? <laughs> Especially in those days. Mm. You're trained to be the next ruler. Yeah. So Firon took Musa as a son, and then he trained him the way he would train his son. And that is, I think, the key difference, that uh, your insight... Uh, the lion's den, you practically, for all intents and purposes, become a cub of the, the lion, you become a cub of the pride, and you do what the pride does, which is to show your authority over people. And Allah said, you are going back to Firon and you're going to show him our authority, not yours. Yeah. The Quran says, yeah. So he turned away with his power and might, Rukun. Rukun, his power and might and assistance and all of that, his strength, basically. Oh, are we in a Rukun in Shadid, the Quran says. Yeah. So, anyway, so, this, uh, so he turned away relying on his own strength. Firaun disavowed Musa salam, and said that I have strength. I am a superpower, I have military, I have economy, I have culture, I have sophistication, and I know everything there is to know in order to mesmerize the people uh, who are underneath me and who follow me, and so on. So he relied on his worldly power and worldly strength. Uh, as far as the in his mind, the theatrics of Musa, there is just, you know, it is magic and it is madness, basically. He said, Musa and his theatrics, all the miracles he's showing you, is just pure magic. There's nothing there except deception, uh, what do you call it, the power of suggestion, and so on. And along with that, either that or he's, he's just possessed. There's only two ways to explain what Musa has, and that is either it's pure magic at the highest level, or it is just simple madness, because it makes no sense in the world of the cosmos that you can change, you know, a piece of wood into a snake. It makes no sense. That's not how the cosmos works. So how Musa now dominates and uh, overwhelms uh, Firaun is now out of his hand. Oh. Is no longer in the hands of Musa uh, That is now the Mojiza works only for those who believe. The Mojiza becomes a punishment for those who do not believe. 
And that's another reason why it's called the Mu'ajiza. And then it overwhelms you physically, it overwhelms you, not just mentally or intellectually or whatever it is. Right? So then you have two sides. The Mu'ajiza will help you believe in Allah, or the Mu'ajiza will destroy you, one or the other. In that sense, the Hujjah and Allah's proof is now established. So now, once they uh, decided to kill Musa salam, assassinate him, and assassinate and kill all of the Banu Israel who were living there uh, under Fir'aun, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took Musa salam out, told him to leave at night towards this uh, direction, and uh, Fir'aun knew that he was going that way and followed him. And they followed him to the Red Sea. Musa salam, now through his staff created now 12 small roads so that each one of his tribes could go on to those roads and cross the Red Sea. And now as they crossed, Firon also said to his troops that we must also cross the way they crossed. As they started across, uh, the uh, sea opened up again. The water came in and they were drowned, basically. Yeah. Now all his might and power and strength and his army and his uh, artillery and ammunition went down into the sea along with him and all his troops, basically. So Allah totally annihilated Firaun and his civilization. Uh, that is how the story basically ends. So we threw him into the sea. As he is blameworthy. Mulim, he is blameworthy that he is condemned because he simply did not acquiesce to the idea that Allah is a higher Lord than he is. Allah is much more powerful than he is. That uh, his might comes from Allah. He, his might is not independent of Allah. Once you claim that you are independent of Allah and you cause havoc and you torture people uh, and you violate uh, whatever dignity they have, uh, you commit atrocity after atrocity, and then you're led to your destination, which is death basically, and total destruction. Allah warns everyone who is now unjust that we are bringing you closer to your destination in such a way that you don't know where your destination is leading you. And then, give them I give them some time because my scheming is very durable. It is, yeah, it is with longevity because I, I, I exist all the time and you don't exist unless I ask you, I tell you to exist and so on. So this is the way Allah subhanahu wa is saying that Firaun abused his volition and his power and his authority. So his sultan, his power and authority, diminished and was killed. Where Musa alayhi salam's sultan, which is Sultan Mubin, continued. 
So Musa's legacy now begins in the, in the desert there, after the Red Sea, after the crossing. Okay. So this is now the second story, that from Ibrahim to Musa, you see one part of the story of the Banu Israel. The first part starts with Yusuf salam coming into Egypt, where they lived a life of prosperity. And the second part is where the Banu Israel now are thrown into the desert where they have nothing. So that's uh, the, uh, the offspring of Ibrahim is now being tested so that they can now understand how to follow Allah's commandments. And Firan was an example for them that if you don't follow Allah's commandments, this is what's going to happen to you. And then Musa -Islam was there in the desert uh, with his people. And that is not discussed here, but anyway. So that's the second story, that you have Ibrahim as a lone, almost maverick. He defeats uh, Namrud without any military power, without any arms, without any weapons, just pure intellectual superiority. And Musa is led away from Firaun, and his enemy is destroyed through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's will and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's authority. So you have two examples of people who use their volition in the right way. They come to now reform the cosmos so that it is in harmony with you know, human beings, and human beings are in harmony. With the cosmos. And also in the matter of Ad, there is an example, there is a sign. So this is now Ad. If you go back to Ad, now Ad, Samud, they are always together, that they were great builders. They're stonemasons, and they were very powerful, tall, strong human beings, and they, they could navigate, access uh, life anywhere on the planet. So they would carve now mountains, and they would make the mountains their homes and their dwellings, and them the tremendous physical strength and abilities. And Ad had the, you know, the uh, for, you know intellectual ability to irrigate and uh, bring lush greenery into the desert. And they were also very tall and powerful, but they were also monopolizing all the natural resources they had in their area. And they would not share those natural resources, and they became very arrogant. And because they had, for the lack of a better word, an economic system, which made them very independent, they became bullies. Mm. Yeah, so when you become a bully, and you don't share natural resources against the cosmos, and you become a tyrant, and you monopolize, and you exploit, then you're met with a fate. So Hud salam was sent to them. Uh, uh, Allah subhanahu after Hud salam did his job of conveying the message that you, your volition has to be in sync with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already created. And they refuse to do that. They continue to persecute uh, people. And even those who believed in Hud al-Islam, they started to persecute. A long story short, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroyed them. Remember the time when we sent upon them 
a very, very strong, severe, desolating wind. Is a, is a wind that has no khair, uh, that, that has no goodness in it. It's a totally uh, a wind with immense bad omen. Yeah? So this is how we took care of the people of Ad. The evil, even though they were strong and powerful, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent upon them something that was stronger and more powerful than they were, and they were obliterated, as we know from other ayat of the Quran. Uh, what is it, uh, uh, eight, eight, eight or nine, seven days or something. Yeah, and they were uprooted, yeah, as if when they were then thrown onto the ground, they were like hollow, you know, palm trees. Yeah, and there was nothing left of them. And so there's now Allah's Amr. If the people don't follow Allah's Amr, then there's the Amr of Allah, which is higher than their Amr, their, their authority, and their volition. And eventually they're destroyed. Obviously, there's a lot of signs which we'll hopefully wrap up at the end with these stories. And this is going back into history before Musa alayhi salam, before Ibrahim alayhi salam. This wind was so powerful that it would spare nothing that it touched. Anything that this wind touched, it would render it into something that was like crushed. Yeah, ramim, bones and ashes and so on. So it, it became so, so uh, insignificant. I mean, it would destroy matter in this way. So the, the nature of the wind, so in the beginning, you, you were talking about winds in the beginning. And so on. So the winds, and these are the winds of change. Yeah. So this wind was severe. It was punishing. It's a punishing wind. And that is also through the regulation management of the angels. That Allah gives angels the command to, to, you know, process the wind this way. And the wind comes and destroys the whole, basically, community of very rich and powerful and strong human individuals. So the wind is now not in the hands of human beings. As you know, nature is very difficult to control. We can't control the hurricanes and the typhoons and the cyclones, and we can't control the earthquakes, and we can't control the tornadoes and so on. So within human life, if you just observe around you, you're not in control of too many things. <laughs> yeah, so the people of Ad thought they were in control of human resources. Allah said, you're not in control of anything. So then the, the, the wind comes this way and destroys you. So that is now obviously a huge message. Of, unfortunately, nowadays, if you have um, poorer countries, if the wind comes this way, and there are floods or cyclones and you know devastation, then it takes them you know, a decade or so to recover. Uh, they're not back on their feet. Um, yeah, but in other places where they have money and resources, there's some kind of insurance and they're back on their feet in another year or two years, which makes them even more arrogant, which makes them feel as if they are independent. That's why we take them slowly towards a destination that's a 
we as Muslims need to fight that through our iman, our good deeds, and amr bil ma'roof and nahyan al munkar. That's the way you stop this devastation uh, from happening. We use our volition uh, to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and also to stop oppression and to actually curb sin as much as we can. And that will be our participation in the nidam, in the system, uh, attracting divine attention, attracting the favors of the angels, basically, and so on. But, you know, you see what I'm saying. You have floods everywhere in this country, just, you know, tornadoes and everything else, and the next year, the, the, you know, back to normal. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the meaning of having sultan and power and authority. But the Quran is a warning. Every time you read these ayat, you think of the, uh, you know, the countries that do very well somehow. But it's, uh, it's a mirage. It's false. Right? Yeah, there's smoke screens. It's not real. That is magic. <laughs> then that is sir, no doubt. وَفِي ثَمُودَ إِذْ قِيلَ لَهُمْ تَمَتَّعُوا حَتَّى حِينَ And in the matter of Thamud, there is an ayah, وَفِي ثَمُودَ ayah. إِذْ قِيلَ لَهُمْ تَمَتَّعُوا حَتَّى حِينَ The time when Salih told them that you can enjoy yourselves for a few days, for a little while. Okay, this in, uh, obviously it's not in terms of uh, what you call it, the Sharia, he's saying enjoy yourselves, he's saying in a very sarcastic way, you will have a few days left. So do what you can. Either follow me and uh, believe in Allah and his powers, or you'll be destroyed. So the warning was very clear. Okay, when the warning comes, the warning has to be very explicit and clear so that people know there's no ambiguity and there's no confusion in what the prophet is warning. So they're, they're not subtleties, they're not parables, okay? They're, they're, there's no enigma in how the indar, hmm? the warning is given. The warning is very explicit. It will be just, the tornado's coming. That's it, the tornado. You won't be, the, the, you will be destroyed. No, nothing which is uh, symbolic. The language has to be pure and clear and very, very explicit so that the hujja, the proof of Allah's now giving the message is now delivered in very uncertain uh, terms, very certain terms and so on. So they rebelled against the command of their Lord. And that was Salih. Again, the people of Thamud, again, great economists, a lot of money. They knew how to run, you know, systems and manage wealth. And, you know, they, they, again, like Ad, they monopolized, they exploited. And they were out there in northern Arabia. The, the remnants are still there today. Yeah. So they, 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 they rebelled against the command of Allah. The command of Allah, obviously, is. is um, because man is always looking for immediate gratification and man doesn't buy the idea of delayed, you know, what do you call it, a reward. Man is very impatient and so on. The only place where they might do that is in their retirement funds. Yeah, 
401k <laughs> you might you might actually have a delayed gratification 40 years 30 years from now okay, when i retire get the money and so that's probably the only place where you'll acquiesce to the delayed mm. but man is all about immediate that i want this done now i want instant pleasure uh, as everybody is looking for an instant answer to the questions they have and they ask the ulama give me an answer right now and they don't think that actually it takes time for you to understand what the answer is the, the, the alim of the sheikh knows the answer but he doesn't uh, believe you have the capability of understanding the answer so the drive-through service doesn't work it gives you diarrhea Mm. So that's why people are sometimes at odds with the Orama. They never answer the question. You're not capable of the answer. So they say, well, you won't be able to handle the truth, as they say. Anyway, so this is now that Allah's Amr is always going to train human beings to be now patient. And patience, as you know, is, is not an easy commodity to acquire. Yeah. So then you start behaving like children. Uh, very naive, immature, impatient, and so on. So these are adults now. Allah says, no, don't exploit. Uh, you don't have to monopolize because Allah's now creation is infinite. It is immense. Allah will give you barakah if you share. So if I share this resource with other people and I don't uh, monopolize it in such a way that only I have access to this resource, like water and air and fire and fodder and all the other natural resources we have, uh, people just uh, exploit and monopolize and they make tons and tons of money by not sharing. Mm-hmm. So that is how what the people of Thamud experienced, that they didn't see that there's something called barakah, there's something called being generous, which is uh, probably a, a much better commodity than the resource you have itself. Yeah. So, okay, you may have a gold mine, you may have oil, you may have this resource, this resource, but the, the, the quality of you as a human being uh, is uh, much more expensive much more dearer uh, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than the material, uh, you know, resource that you have. So human beings can't negotiate something that they don't see and feel immediately. And that is the plight of the modern man also, the same thing. They don't want to wait for, you know, delayed gratification and so on. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you will have immense gratification if you do what I want you to do in Jannah. So well, who's going to wait for Jannah? <laughs> I can't wait until Jannah. It's too far. I have to die for that. I don't want to die. Not understanding that when you die, you don't die. You live forever. Your life after death is eternal. Your life here in this world is temporary. But they don't see it that way. That's why they hang on to whatever little that they have. And when they hang on, they become selfish and they become stingy. 
they become cowardly and all of that. So, فَعَطَوْا عَنْ أَمْرِ رَبِّهِمْ So they turned away and turned against the Amr, the command of their Lord. The command of their Lord is eternal. فَأَخَذَتْهُمُ الصَّاعِقَةُ وَهُمْ يَنْظُرُونَ Then all of a sudden, a massive, very, very loud thunderbolt and cry and sa'iqa, huge noise overtook them. That's the sona punishment that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punishes through sound. You have different forms of punishment. This punishment is sona, that through sound, Allah punished the people of the mood. And this is usually what happens to people uh, who monopolize. And so as you will see, later the Quran mentions this in the people of Madian and Shu'aib for whom as they were looking. So what is that? Your eyes can see what's happening, but your ears can't tolerate the pain. So you're looking at your own punishment. Whereas in other forms of punishment, it is probably a bit more instant and quicker than this. And this is delayed punishment. The punishment is, you know, is elongated because your, your sense of balance goes away, even though you're observing whatever is happening in front of you. When you lose your sense of hearing, you're not able to stand. So the ayah says that so they weren't able to stand. You lose your balance, and you know you're there, but you're not there. It's like you've been paralyzed by your conscience. And so, and they were observing what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, doing to them. Uh, so, so this is now the fate of uh, such people who have these uh, kind of characteristics and moral flaws. Again, it's the volition, how human beings use their volition to be in sync with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, system of uh, you know, government, system of authority. And if you follow Allah's amr, then you're safe. If you don't follow Allah's Amr, eventually it will catch up to you. Eventually. And that eventually is over, you know, your lifetime when you die and so on. And finally, if you doesn't have the word fi in it, and the people of Nuh much before that, right? meaning remember, Uthkur Qawma Nuh. Remember the people of Nuh before before Ad and before Thamud and before Firaun and before Ibrahim. Remember what happened because they were over a very long time, almost a thousand years. 950 years, Nuh gave Dawah and so on. So when you study and understand the people of Nuh <clears throat> this is a, a reference to the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informed the Prophet of whatever he needed to know in order to inform others about the history of human beings. So if you want to read history, this is the way you read history. One is obviously the rise and fall of nations, that's one way. And the other is that you, you have some documentation of uh, facts and events and things that happened and, you know, culture and all of that. The other is through aqidah.
that it is Allah's Amr that controls man's history. If they're in sync with uh, Allah's Amr, then there is good history. And if they're not in sync with Allah's Amr, then there is no good history or there is a bad history and so on. So in the history of civilizations, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings out these five uh, examples that if you want to read history, read history through the lens of Allah's Amr, which is the Muslim way of reading history. Not Non-Muslims don't read history, and that is how we see that the history of the Sahaba and the Prophet otherwise known as Seerah, is read through Aqidah. And the history of uh, Muslims after uh, the Sahaba Tabi'in is read through the lens of Muslims. So that is why whatever the Sahaba did became part of Islam. It becomes part of our Aqidah, part of our civilizational values. Whatever the Prophet said and did is now Aqidah. And so that's how you read that seerah and so on. So there's biography and there's Aqidah. So the Muslim doesn't confuse the two. So if the Prophet said or did something, it is because he is Rasulullah. And if the Sahaba did something as a group or sometimes as rulers, like the Khulafa, it is because they're setting an Islamic precedent. And you must see it with Aqidah. You can't see it as a historian, I mean, a Western historian, where you're going to criticize and condemn and say, oh, Uthman did this. So we say, no, the Prophet said, Uthman is in Jannah. We can't blame him for anything. If he's in Jannah, why are you blaming the guy? He made it. The Prophet didn't say that about you. So yeah, you have to make a difference in the way you observe how your methodology is. So we can't say anything about the Sahaba because they're in Jannah. That's our Qidah, right? Okay, he made a mistake. Oh, big two, he made a mistake. He made a mistake. Then it is not for you to condemn the Sahaba, whatever they, whether they made a mistake. Okay, they made a mistake. It's not the end of the world. No? Politicians make mistakes. So Uthman was there, he was the leader, he made mistakes. If he did. But you cannot criticize, otherwise you won't end up in Jannah. Well, he's already in Jannah. <laughs> the fact that he's a Shaheed means what? He's already in Jannah. <laughs> so you can't look at the Sahaba, and especially the Prophet and especially all the other Prophets with the eye of uh, criticism and say the human failures. Uh, yeah? So they're, they're not failures if they're in Jannah. Well, you're a failure because you're not in Jannah yet. Hopefully you'll be, but if, if you go down this path, you'll be a failure. So the truth is not in the historical fact that what they did was a mistake or whatever. The truth is in the Aqidah. What is the Aqidah? That they're in Jannah. So that's again short term gratitude that the historian is impatient. He wants short term gratitude, gratification. Short term, uh, I've analyzed this now. I'm the champion of history. Long term, uh, you're not going to be with these people you've condemned. No, yeah. So, the, the Aqidah methodology overrides any other methodology, and that's how you get Sunni Islam. 
Certainly, Islam is based on Akhida. So that's, again, likewise here, when you're reading human history, there are several methodologies which are there in Western academia, but the Muslim approach to human history is by studying the Amr of Allah. Whoever follows the Amr of Allah is in sync and harmony with the order of the cosmos, and the final order of the cosmos is in Jannah. There will be a cosmos there. The day when we will change the earth and replace it, and we will also replace the heavens. So there's a cosmos there. So that the, the affair and the, the, the governance of the cosmos after the day of judgment has is in sync with the Amr of Allah. So if you're in sync with the Amr of Allah, you'll end up there in that cosmos of Jannah. But if you're not in sync, you'll end up somewhere else, the other place, and so on. So when we look at human civilization, you obviously have anthropology and all of that good stuff. And how you criticize and how you deduce the so-called facts. The Quran brings one fact to the table. It's mentioned, because they, they, they were dishonest and they rebelled against the Amr of their Lord that they ended up this way. And that's been a consistent Sunnah of Allah. Sunnah Allah, as the Quran mentioned several times. So this is the Sunnah of Allah. The Sunnah of Allah is that in the destruction of human beings, they were the cause of their own destruction. They brought on the calamities upon themselves until the Prophet When the Prophet came, the Nidham of the cosmos slowed down a bit. So people will not be destroyed completely yeah, as a home until the day of judgment, because that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's fadl on the rahmah, on the ummah of the Prophet, so that they will not be destroyed in totality until the final word is given of Qiyamah. And so but this is how Allah subhanahu wa is training the mind. Uh, the read of the Quran, especially the, uh, the Sahaba in Makkah. There's a Makki Surah, and the Sahaba, although there are few of them, they're listening to this. And they're kind of drinking it, and they're taking it in, and they're analyzing, processing this within themselves, and say, oh, wow, when we go out into the world, then we should make sure that we, we follow these rules of uh, human behavior, and uh, human life, uh, basically. Hmm? Indeed, they were a very sinful people, meaning that throughout 950 years, Nuh um, gave them instruction and dawah, and they tried to convince them, uh, sometimes sternly, sometimes with kind words, sometimes with love, sometimes with rejection, and all the methods, and because you're going to think of everything in 950 years, everything that is human is going to come to you. All your methodologies, all your strategies, all your maneuvers, all your schemes, uh, everything that you can think of as human, right? came to Nuh and he went everywhere across the globe, everywhere. 
and he went to different types of people with different personalities and different idiosyncrasies and you know different norms different habits different cultures different languages and he tried everything on everybody and none of them worked except a few people a handful of people believed in his mission uh, so again this is to uh, support the prophet reassure him that uh, you don't have to lose hope Okay, because Nuh went through much worse than this. Uh, you have been sent to a group of people, they're called the Quraysh, and there are few people compared to the number of people Nuh was sent to, and uh, they have much shorter lives than the lives of Nuh and his people. And uh, you have now one set culture, which is the Quraysh Arab culture, uh, where Nuh was now dealing with so many different types of personalities and groups and cultures and uh, customs and languages, where you don't have that. Uh, so to reassure the Prophet that you do your job, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you the result that you want and what you need. Okay, so this obviously first is to reassure the Prophet. Second, it is to develop the mindset of the Sahaba that you, as the last Ummah, you are going to go to every type of person, group, language, speakers, cultures in the world. But you cannot give up the Umar of Allah. You don't change your mission uh, and you don't change your goalposts uh, and you don't change the outcome. And that the outcome is that people must believe in Allah and the Rasul and people must follow Islam. That's your goal, that's your mission. Hmm? So then when the Sahaba are reading this, they know, they understand because of the one prophet is there, he's training them, he's guiding them, and then they themselves know that uh, these stories are not in vain. These are not bedtime stories you read to your children. Uh, these are real stories of human civilization, human history. And you must take an eye, as I said, that in the word there, there's an eye, there's a signs. That these are signs that when we go and uh, you talk to a ruthless ruler uh, out there, then we must, you know, just, um, you know, establish who we are, present who we are, and that's the end of the story. It is because of such stories that Jafar was able to say what he said to Najashi. Right? It's because of these stories. That's how the stories built his mindset, built his character, built his ability to portray human civilization. And that's what he said, that uh, we, Allah sent us a, a human being, a prophet, who gave us, you know, values. And these are the values we come with. So he wasn't preaching, you know, Salat, Salat, Zakat, and Hajj. He was preaching value, that we have human values because of this man. So so I'm saying the, the, the stories, especially, you have to understand the context. That's why Makki, Madani is very important. Sometimes people just overlook the fact that they reveal in Makkah. No big, no big deal. It is a big deal. There is a reveal in Makkah where there is no community support. Uh, when you're in Makkah, you don't have community support. There's no one there. You're basically bereft. <laughs> you're strangers. You're foreigners in your own land. So you don't know where to go to when, when you read these stories. Uh, and, uh, that's how uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the Prophet the, you know, reassurance and the Prophet gave the Sahaba uh, reassurance and uh, they developed their universal values and a world view. So what the Makki surahs give you, the world view. 
they give you the world uh, a view by which you can navigate the world and you can go on into different communities and that's what the mashallah the sahaba tabin did they went everywhere in the world different communities different cultures different languages and different you know likes and dislikes and uh, <laughs> everything was so diverse but within the diverse kind of community from the atlantic to uh, china they became one ummah uh, with the diversity uh, yeah, this is what these stories are saying that now you have these diverse kind of moral sins and uh, what do you call it deficiencies so Luther is his people had a deficiency okay. Firaun had deficiency people of Ad had a deficiency people of Thamud had a deficiency and people of Nuh had many deficiencies Consider all of these deficiencies when you go out there, you have to navigate them and then you have to reform them. How are you going to do that if you don't know the process of reform and if you don't trust Allah and you don't follow the Sunnah of the Prophet? So it's a testimony to the reading of the Sahaba that they were able to understand how to apply the Quranic methodology to communal reform because they knew that there are different types of people. So you're not going to use just one prescription for every uh, deficiency. You have to find different prescriptions for different deficiencies and moral failures, basically. Anyway, that's basically the story of uh, <coughs> so far uh, in this surah. Inshallah, we will continue with the surah next week, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us and give us the tawfiq to recite the Qur'an, to uh, understand it, and then to follow it. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayla khalqi. Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahabihi ajma'in wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullah